Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Warriors, warriors, come out to play. Show me you want to be here. Show me you want to win. Show me you want to, you have that killer instinct. I do look at myself as being one of the most dominant fighters in MMA history. He didn't know it was going to be a buffet, though. He thought it was going to be a three-piece. Now you're getting the whole MGM Grand Buffet to the face, man. It's time for the RJ Ringside Podcast, recapping what's been a wild week from Florida uh, with Jacksonville fight cards taking place here. We have three nights of fights tonight, concluding the three fight card events that happened down in Jacksonville with uh, the main event, Alistair Overeem and Walt Harris being quite the emotional one leading up to it. And I'm sure emotional on the way out for a lot of people. But for Overeem, the man was all business inside the cage. We'll get into all of this and break down the fight card for you. It's Heidi Fang here with Adam Hill, and we are brought to you by betonline.ag. So UFC Florida, Adam, it's finally coming to an end here. Um, It's been a marathon week of fights that you've see kind of I guess playing catch up if you will with the events that they have but first let's get into this main event Walt Harris Alistair Overeem obviously everybody was kind of behind Walt Harris I would say from the emotional standpoint wanting him to get that big finish to help him kind of I guess finish out what's happened with his stepdaughter and the tragedy there with Anaya Blanchard. Uh, of course, for those who don't know that story, uh, Anaya was kidnapped and then brutally murdered and her body found in November, 2019. And Walt went through a phase of depression, came back, said fighting was what he had to do and he had to get this done for Anaya and that this was what he really needed to get back on track. Though he did say towards the end here in his post fight after losing to Overeem tonight uh, via TKO that he was uh, more or less like needing to get back to the drawing board in some aspects. Mainly he said he was kind of out of shape and we all know that he cut down to get to 265 and the the fight, he started off good. And, you know, I thought for a minute there, maybe Mergliato would call it, but he did not. He let Overeem work. And then the next proceeding round you know it comes down to it and we get the finish from Overeem so what did you make of all of this Adam and, and the story behind this fight yeah first I mean you were talking about how long this week has seemed uh with the UFC in Florida I mean I, I was there for the first you know five days of this and then it seems like a month ago it's insane that they've put these three cards on uh that quickly uh but yeah the Walt Harris tonight I think it was it was such a I think difficult for a lot of people to watch uh, Walt Harris knowing his story and knowing him uh, as a person and, and what he's been through. And, and then for him to start off so well and then lose uh, was just, it was tough. And it was, I think tough. It was a tough position for Alistair Overeem to be in as, as a guy who, you know, the entire world is kind of rooting for Walt Harris and want, you know, want him to succeed and do well and, you know, have a, have a, a moment of happiness and instead, you know, he's he's on the verge of getting that, and then the tables are turned, and he gets, you know, he gets he's down at the end of the first round, and then he gets uh, pummeled in the second round. It was just it was so tough to watch. Then you see Overeem go from, you know, having his back, you know, having a, a back mount and having him secured on the ground, just pummeling him, raining punches down on him, and then immediately stopping and just 
you know, embracing him and holding him uh, as they both kind of cried on the mat. It was, I think, difficult for a lot of people to watch, uh, you know, just knowing uh, what he's been through and, and how difficult it was for Overeem, who kind of looked at the ref a couple of times like, are you really going to make me do this? Like, you're really going to make me hit this guy a hundred more times? Not that not that it needed to be stopped, but I think Overeem kind of wanted to be stopped sooner than it needed to be just because he didn't want to do that. And it was weird. Yeah, um, I think weird also surmises a lot of the outcomes that we saw this evening. There were a bunch of fights on here that I think, you know, the, some of them are very close. Other ones you have to look at and go, ah, judges, are, what are they looking at? They're not seeing things. And I know that the judges are on every angle of the octagon. Uh, so when you start kind of looking at just the other fights and some of the outcomes, I think the three most uh, talked about ones as far as people having fight cards scored a different way than the judges did. You have to look at Gadella versus Hill. That was the co-main event. Um, Dan uh, Ige against Edson Barbosa. And then Song Yadong and Marlon Vera was another one where I saw a lot of people thinking it was not uh, Yadong's fight. So uh, Adam, to you, when you look over a few of the fight card, a uh, fi- few of the fights tonight, excuse me, what one to you ended up a way that you weren't anticipating it to be on the scorecards? Yeah, you know, I, I thought I thought there were some really close fights, and that happens sometimes, um, you know, on on these cards where you know you just don't really know, um, you know, how the judges are going to see it or what they saw, what they were thinking uh, during the course of the fight. I actually thought uh, the Gadella Lee, or excuse me, Gadella Hill decision uh, wasn't atrocious. I mean, I thought that uh, Claudia clearly won the first round. And Angela Hill clearly won the second round, and all all three judges had that. And it just came down to how you scored the third. Angela Hill had a lot of success in that third round, but you know while she was landing a lot of shots, it seemed like Gadella was landing the harder shots, the crisper shots, and actually was backing Angela Hill up a little bit. So uh, I actually think the judges did a fairly good job in recognizing that and and giving her. Not that it would have been a bad decision either way, uh, but I you know I thought that was uh, part of the issue there, and then. Um, you know, Ige, I, I don't even know uh, if he thought he was going to win the fight uh, at first uh, when they were lining up to, to hear the scorecards. And, um, you know, as they're, as it's going, as they're reading them and he's kind of looking around like, how did that happen? Uh, it was, uh, it was, it was weird. And then he, he talked about it, you know, later. And I, I don't think he was, uh, you know, he wasn't saying like, hey, I didn't deserve it or anything like that. But um, I, I think he was a little bit, a little bit relieved. I guess at the uh, at the scores when they were read. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. And he thinks right now that he considers himself. This was something I gathered when he spoke in the post fight today that he's right there at the top of the vi- division now. That he's ready to face anybody that's willing to take him on. That you know he um, just wants to get more of a name opponent. And I think by far, whether or not you had this fight scored for him or not, getting a win ever. Edson Barboza is probably one of the more notable ones that he's had in his record as a late. So, I mean, and for Barboza, it's a second like devastating uh, loss. He's been on a streak with only one win in his last six fights. So, uh, you know, this one was one of those razor thin decisions. Like, well, like you said, some people didn't even have it scored for Ige, but it's one of those ones where you have to look at it and go, wow, what does the UFC do now with Barboza? with that kind of a track record. And granted, he's not fighting anybody that's 
uh, 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 slouch, so to speak. He's yeah. fought, you know, it could be Kevin Lee, Justin Gagey, um, Paul Felder, and now Ige. So, uh, and this was a debut for him at featherweight. So who knows what he went through in the cut, what it was like for him to be able to train. These are times where everything's been crazy. And a lot of the fighters have talked about that with the training and then ramping up and then taking it back a notch when they're canceled and then going back and ramping up. So these are things that they're all going through regardless. And I'm not making excuses or saying like, you know, oh, Barboza lost because he couldn't train. I'm just saying that there are a multitude of things that could have happened throughout the course of his training camp and the cancellations and the rebookings that happen that, you know, go into a lot of things that people need to take into account as well as him making his featherweight debut. I mean, that's uh, not an easy cut. I mean, I looked at him on the media day and you could already see his cheeks were a little bit sunken in and that's never a good sign. So who knows? exactly what happened behind the scenes and he's lost he's now lost five of his last six fights um and as you said his this is his featherweight debut i think he he'll take some time to get more comfortable and i think settle in at 45 i think he's pretty dangerous at 145 and i thought he looked pretty good tonight but you know you you think about well losing five fights uh in your last six is never good obviously but level of competition my goodness uh before Ige, the two losses prior to that at lightweight were Paul Felder and Justin Gaethje, two, you know, certainly two of the top uh, lightweights in the world. And then he had the win over Hooker, but he lost before that to Kevin Lee and uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov. So, I mean, this is this is like the the who's who uh, that he's fighting. He's, he's had a murderer's row of opponents. So I think maybe take a step back, uh, get settled in a little bit more uh, at uh, featherweight and then move forward from there. And and I, I should point out going back also on the uh, on the scoring uh, the Song Yadong fight, I think, is more of an issue of the format uh, of scoring fights than it is, um, you know, an atrocious decision. I didn't have a huge problem with uh, Song Yadong winning, but when you watch the fight, the first two rounds are very close, very close. And I thought uh, that I actually did, you know, lean uh, to him in those first two rounds. I, I don't think it could have been... You know, I don't think it was a problem to go the other way. I just I thought he did enough in those two rounds, and then the third round I thought was dominated by Vera. And then you you get out of it and you're like, wow, he clearly won the fight. He dominated that third round after two close rounds. That's how it goes. But you know the way the scoring format is, there's only three rounds, and and you score who wins each of the rounds. And if you think you know you could go 10-10, they, they don't they, they don't encourage that though. Uh, so if you think that you know he won those first two rounds barely. Uh, then it doesn't matter that he got kind of dominated in the third round because you know that's not how it works. And so I, I think that's more of just how the the sport is set up and how the scoring is set up than it is actual bad judging. Yeah, and we should actually talk about scoring, but we'll do that when we come back from our break here on the RJ Ringside podcast. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. In that first round, when uh, Walt had you down, uh, how, how, how much were you in danger uh, you know, in that first round? 
I would say a big danger, right? You have a 275 pound man who does score a knockdown and he's there to finish you. So the, the, the danger was real. But I don't know. Stay calm, fight through it. I was still there. So it was not for me, there was a big danger, but I was kind of still in the fight. When you're able to come back from that, how much did your confidence level go up, going up, knowing that you know he exerted so much energy trying to finish you, and you were able to survive? Well, I think also uh, his weight, right? He was two sixty-five, two seventy-five. Uh, you know, you're fighting five rounds. It's not. It's not. Welcome it's back much. to the RJ Ringside podcast. That was Alistair Overeem talking about his win over Walt Harris tonight, and we're breaking down everything with that card. And what we were discussing just before the break there was a bit of judging and how things are looked at. And in fact, when you look at the main event, Adam, I just want to revisit this because you made me think about it when you were talking about how scorecards work and ten tens and what have you. But I think the first round of Harris and Overeem was one of those fights where you could look at it and go that could be a 10-10 round because you have Overeem winning the second half of that round and Walt Harris clearly won the first half of that round so I think that's still around um, because you know maybe Walt Harris I, I could have scored it for him being that he got the um, you know knocked down if you will Overeem and was able to outwork him there so it but then again the same thing happened on the other side so it's like one of those things where you look at it and go how do you uh, efficiently score that round i know you're i believe from what i've gathered in conversation with you over time is that you're kind of a proponent of open scoring so what do you think about i'm, I'm, uh, I'm actually not no you're not well that's like interesting it. i don't like it. not at all okay um, i don't either <laughs> I, I think i think uh it has its benefits for sure um but i think the negatives outweigh uh outweigh the benefits um in the open scoring i mean first of all just the fact of, you know, if you have a two nothing fight, it completely changes how fights are going to look in the third round. I just, I, I don't like what it would do in that case. Um, I, I just think, you know, it, it's true that in every other sport, like you have the opportunity to run out the clock. Uh, I get it. Um, you know, in basketball, you know, you can you can go to the kind of the slow down offense, and um, if you need to catch up, you can try to foul those sorts of things. And in football, you can take a knee if you don't want to. Uh, if you're trying to preserve a lead, like th those things are true and those, those things happen. Um, but I, I just feel like a fight is, so, is set up so differently uh, that it just, it just totally changes how fights would be contested uh, late in the fights. And I don't like that part of it. Um, and I, I also think that you'd have some overcorrecting from some judges who, you know, if they, if, you know, they don't think that one of the other judges score was appropriate, you might, you know, give a different score to say, like, all right, I'm just going to make sure that, you know, I balance out his bad score from last round by changing my opinion this round. Like, I, I just think there's a lot of those things that can go wrong, uh, and it's just too many too many negatives that don't weigh up, don't, you know, equal up to the, to the positives. That's too, too, excuse me, too many negatives. The positives don't measure up. All right, that's just the thing I think with MMA is like, you know, we go off of the boxing 10-9 model now, but it's really a difficult thing to do with MMA. Like how, for instance, would you score the first round of Harrison Overeem, Adam? I mean, I'm glad I don't have to. I, I, was, right. I, was, actually, <laughs> I was actually excited to uh, to see the scorecards come out. They, they haven't sent them out yet. They usually send them out about, it's usually by this time, but it's still not out. We're, we're here talking just after the fight. And uh, I, I'm I'm excited to see what they had it, and I, I imagine that the judges went to Overeem in the first round, but it's it's a tough call. Like I, I mean, as you said, you got 
uh, a, just a, a really nice knockdown and near finish. And it wasn't just a it wasn't just a normal knockdown. He had him, uh, you know, dead to rights there uh, in that in that first round. And then all of a sudden, Overeem rallies, comes back, and you know, kind of dominates the last two and a half minutes. Uh, I I think they probably went Overeem, but I'll be interested to see what they did um, with those. And I actually just saw. Just it just reminded me of a stat. It's not a scoring stat necessarily, but there was uh, somebody put out uh, this this stat from tonight, which I thought was just fascinating. Three fighters tonight scored knockdowns and lost. Wow. Uh, Edson Barbosa, Angela Hill, Walt Harris. They all scored knockdowns and lost. Before tonight, fighters who scored at least one knockdown in 2020 were 32 and one, and the one the one loss uh, was. Uh, believe that disqualification, uh, the Diego Sanchez, uh, uh, Michael Paya fight. So that's the only time it happened all year, and three times it happened tonight, which is just—it's crazy. It shows how close some of these fights were, and how how back and forth they were. Yeah, it's very odd. I hadn't heard anything like that before, as far as statistics. Uh, that's something new with uh, the knockdowns and the wins, and how they work these things out. I don't even know how they go about researching all of these things and deciding what they're going to put down on paper or not. But that one, yeah. <laughs> that one for sure is a intriguing stat. That, um, and and we're definitely going to have to revisit these things as the year progresses, just to see how that ends up. Because I, I think right, so it's thirty two and four now. As far as people who have knockdowns and wins and losses, yeah. 32-4. Okay, okay. So we're going to revisit that at the end of the year and see like where that number ends up because I think that one's going to be an interesting one to kind of size up. But, uh, you know, we had also talked a little bit, Adam, um, about what we were going to see in the future here with the UFC. There's a talk uh, that the card would be here. This was on a past podcast where you were in Jacksonville and Dana White said that they were looking to bring the UFC here to Las Vegas to hold a fight at the UFC. Apex May 23rd but now it seems uh, from a tweet that I saw you put out that the date has gone out to May 30th but if it can't happen here at the Apex Dana White is going to go to Arizona um, what did he have exactly you know beyond Arizona did he say anything like there's a meeting coming up or what have you to kind of work this out like when will we know no, they're, they're working with the commission and their goal is to do it at the, at the apex because they believe that is the safest place to do it it's certainly the cheapest place for them to do it they have full control of that building uh, and they have I, I, I don't know I was trying to ask around like what hotel it is here but they have a, you know they have a hotel they own you know they have friends who own hotels the UFC does so uh, that would be uh, it would make some sense that they could maybe use one of the closed hotels or something like that and uh, really isolate the fighters uh, and then use the Apex to test them, which it, it would make a lot of sense and make their plan uh, work pretty well. Uh, they're just waiting on permission from the Nevada Athletic Commission, and as of now, they haven't gotten it yet. Uh, I think they're going to work very closely with them. And uh, if you know, we're hearing rumors of when... Uh, when Nevada will start to open some more things up, we've we've had some you know some restaurants open for those that are listening outside of uh, outside of our area. That we have had uh, some restaurants that are open at like fifty percent capacity, and not not all of them though. In uh, some outdoor seating spots, but the strip is still closed. The casinos are still closed. All gaming is closed. Like a lot, indoor malls are closed. Like a lot of things are still closed here. So I think it'd be tough on some level for the state to say, yeah, all this stuff is closed and you you know people can't go to work, but uh, we're going to have some fights here, which I, I, I just don't know that they're going to do that. But I'm sure the Nevada Athletic Commission is working very closely with the UFC. I'll tell you this. Uh, I usually talk to people on the Nevada Athletic Commission a couple times a week. 
nobody's responding to phone calls or texts right now. So I don't think they want to talk about it. I don't think that they're um, ready to make any kind of a decision. Uh, but, you know, we'll find out soon where this goes. And Arizona is all in. Like, they're open. Casinos are open. So it would make some sense for the UFC to make the, the quick trip down there. Yeah, I think that would be a fun one to go to. You have the antibody, so I elect Adam Hill to go down. Yeah. <laughs> Arizona. Immunity. I'm actually, I'm actually waiting to find out because I was around you, so I'm always around you, so I'm waiting to find out. I, I went and get the antibodies test. But aside from that, Adam, um, what did Dana have to say about any coming matchup, upcoming matchups for people? I know after we saw uh, Gaethje take the interim lightweight belt, there's a lot of talk, you know, about who he would fight next, if he would take a fight before Khabib comes back or not, uh, possibly with Connor. There's also been a lot of talk since Francis Ngannou had his big win uh, that there might be a fight there with John Jones. What's going on with those matchups? Yeah, I mean, Dana said that he thinks that's a fun fight, just like everybody thinks that's a fun fight. Uh, but he also mentioned that, you know, a lot of times guys like talking about fights on Twitter and get excited about them. And uh, when it's time to actually do the deal, they don't. Um, I took that really to mean that's a financial thing. Uh, both of them have said that they would only do it for a lot of money. And I, I don't know that uh, Dana White is excited to write, you know, a massive check for that fight. If, you know, especially in a time now where there's no fans allowed, uh, if they get back to a point where they could have fans there, that's the kind of fight that. Uh, you would think that they would make and be able to really uh, market it and make a ton of money off of it. It'd be easier to pay those guys huge checks uh, for that fight. But I think right now, uh, you know, they're talking about doing the fight. They're talking about getting a lot of money to do the fight. And Dana White is trying to put the brakes on that a little bit. And uh, maybe, you know, threw some cold water on that, on the uh, emerging fire uh, between Ngannou and Jones. But I think a lot of people would be very excited about it. All right, last one. Uh, just thinking about what's next here for some of the big winners. Uh, Alistair Overeem. Ooh, by the way, talking- Heidi, sorry to cut you off. We literally just got the scorecards. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to open this right now. And oh, see. I'm looking at it. I got it. Okay. I see. Two, two for Harris, one for Overeem. Yeah, and all 10 eights in the second for Overeem, uh, as I'd imagine, would be that was a, a tough round there for Harris. So Harris had two rounds, two judges score him um, 10 9 in that first. So, and one had Overeem. Interesting. All right. So they're looking at the first half as being a win for Harris. All right. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to ask Adam, though, what you think about what's next for Overeem. He made a you know point to say that he's chasing gold still. He just turned 40. Today's his birthday. So what do you think uh, about him and what's next? I think he has a little bit of a path ahead if he wants to get back to a UFC title shot. But uh, what can you imagine as far as matchups for him in the future? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it's it's such a it's a tough division right now uh, because it's you know, kind of being held up at the top with you know Stipe uh, not wanting to fight right now, which absolutely uh, should should be allowed. Like he should not have to fight. The people that are putting pressure on him to uh, to try to do so uh, is completely ridiculous. Um, and then you you kind of look at the, some of the other you know top contenders and you start thinking about who he's fought, and he's fought like a lot of them already. Um, you know, I think like, you know, you would think a guy like, you know, Francis Ngannou is a fun fight. Well, we've already seen it. We saw uh, how it ended. Um, you know, Rosenstroy coming off his loss—that would be kind of a fun fight. They just fought, and we know what happened to uh, to his lip after that. Uh, Alexia Linnick coming off, you know, that nice win. They've already fought. Like he's fought a lot of these guys. 
So it'll be interesting to see who they put him up against and where he kind of fits in in the in the rankings there, um, because you know it is it is kind of a weird division. There's so much you know shuffling around. Uh, a lot of people thought Verdum might jump in and you know kind of make another make his mark on the division again, and he did not look very good. Uh, so there's there's a lot of potential matchups there. I think we've seen several of them already, and I don't know exactly what they want to do, but uh, I'm sure that they'll have something in mind uh, for him coming up. I mean, he, he came in ranked number eight in the heavyweight division. Uh, Walt Harris was there at nine. Uh, guys in front of him, you know, Rosenstroik, they haven't done the new rankings yet. Uh, you know, Ghanu's up there, Curtis Blades, who he's he's fought already. Uh, there's a lot of possibilities, and we'll, we'll have to find out what they end up doing. All right, so let's just wrap things up here with the post-fight bonus awards. Fight of the night went to Yodong Song versus Marlon Vera and performance of the night, Courtney Casey and Miguel Beza, who had a tremendous fight with the veteran and Matt Brown. That one, I think, a, a signature win for Baeza and putting him on the map. Man, what what a what a first round that one. That was wild. It was really uh, a good one. So I'm glad to see that uh, that one got a performance of the night bonus. Adam, uh, was there any other fight before we depart here on this fine Saturday evening that really stuck out to you this evening? Um, I mean, no, I thought the, the card as a whole was just really good. Right? I mean, it was one of those cards that uh, I, I think they're kind of settling into fighters have seen kind of what it's like. They've been able to talk to other fighters uh, who fought in the uh, empty arena. It's starting to feel like it's not really uh, that different anymore. Um, so I, I think we're, we're starting to see kind of just a return to, you know, solid action and, and pretty fun fights. I thought tonight was the best uh, top to bottom uh, of the fight yeah. uh, of the fight cards we've seen. Yeah. You, you mentioned, I mean, that, God, that that knockout of Matt Brown uh, got that bonus, which was that was a really nice one. Oh, uh, the uh, Nate Landwehr guy, I, I I have no idea what that is. I don't know, I don't know what he's doing. I I, I kind of want to see more of him, um, but I don't. At the same, like it's he's very goofy and he does not look like he can fight. But dude is just a beast. Like that that was a fun like experience uh, to to see that. And poor Darren Elkins, I think, uh, left like half of his blood in the cage early on in the fight. So uh, that was interesting. I like that. And oh, Kevin Holland, I think, has a lot, a lot of potential yes. too to be uh, to be a, a fun fighter in the middleweight division. He is definitely on my radar, especially after tonight. And uh, by the way, uh, Nate Landwehr has no Wikipedia page. So, I mean, until he has one, Adam, we can't even tell you who he is. So it's just going to remain a secret. I think he's from Clarksville, Tennessee. I think he shouted <laughs> oh, that out. Oh, snap. Yes, he is. <laughs> yeah, so we know that much. <laughs> um, yeah, that that dude. Like, you, Is there any – I'm trying to think if there's uh, – I guess like – I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's any other fighters that you just look at and you're like, that guy can't fight. And then they're like, oh my God, he really can. Like that dude is the, is the ultimate does not look like a fighter guy. He's not somebody that I think maybe a lot of um, hardcore, I mean, a lot, you know, a lot of the casual fans might know, but uh, Adam Aquaviva is somebody I always looked okay. at and thought like, wow, is it, you know, <laughs> yeah. he looks like a, a school teacher. So yeah, he's somebody that I always <laughs> thought like, yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there's always somebody out there that'll do that to you. Or, you know, somebody as soft-spoken as Nganu, and then you see him in the cage, and he's just a monster. So, yeah. Uh, I, bet you, I bet we'll you see. Nate Landwehr gets a Wikipedia page. <laughs> he should. We're going to start the campaign for it. I, I'm going to go tweet that right now. Say, <laughs> everybody, 
let's clamor together and get this page going for What's your community <laughs> service work for the week. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> get to work on it all right so that'll do it for us here because i got a lot of work ahead of me right now so we're gonna wrap things up here on this podcast and we'll be back with our regularly scheduled episode next week and keep you up to date with what we know about the ufc and see if we are or are not going to be getting a fight on may 30th so everybody make sure to subscribe here wherever you're listening to this show we appreciate everybody out there for listening give adam a follow on twitter at adam hill lvrj and i'm at heidi fang we'll be back very soon. 